You're listening to Win the Day with James Whitaker. What we do in life echoes in eternity. Broadcasting from Los Angeles, California. Here's your host, James Whitaker. Let's go. Welcome back to Win the Day. The quote for this episode comes from Shane Parrish and says, Distance yourself from people that you don't want to become. We're halfway through the year, and that means it's time for a recap of some legendary moments of the Win the Day podcast so far in 2023. Before we do that, if you live in Australia, I'm headed your way real soon. On Friday, 14th of July, I'll be the keynote speaker for a lunchtime event in Brisbane. It's being run by an amazing group, Springboard, and their mission is to inspire, motivate, and accelerate your life and career. I love attending events like this, not just speaking, but attending, because getting out of your comfort zone to meet new people who could have a massive impact on your life is one of the best things you can do. Plus, I'll be there sharing some things from stage that I've never shared before, and I'd love to see you in person. So grab your tickets for this event in Brisbane. Again, it will be held on Friday, the 14th of July, and you can find a link to that in the show notes. You've probably noticed, but this year I wanted to really step it up in terms of the guests who appear on the Win the Day podcast. Already this year, we've had some of the world's leading medical experts, composers, entrepreneurs, authors, and special forces operators. They have now raised the bar even higher for the caliber of guest you can expect on this podcast, and it's why I'm so excited for what's in store for the back half of this year. Thanks to your help and generosity in spreading the word, we're also reaching more than 3 million people each month from across the globe. The mission, to be very clear, is to help every person on the planet to activate their winning life. To make this a reality, here are three things you can help me with right now. Number one, hit the subscribe button wherever you're watching or listening to this podcast. Number two, leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And number three, share your favorite episode. That'll be a huge help in terms of making the show more visible and encouraging others to stop losing and start winning so they can motivate others to do the same. Without further ado, let's get into 10 steps to win the day and the best highlights from the year so far. Number one, your biggest fear should be staying where you are. Our first guest for the year was billionaire concierge and marketing legend Steve Sims. Steve is one of the most unique individuals I've ever met, which is refreshing in a world where everyone is trying to copy someone else. Steve shared a lot of gold during episode 122, but one of the most profound was about how you manage your relationship with fear. Fear can dictate your response, but it's how you respond to that fear that will help the response to dictate. Everyone moves with fear. Mm. You know, we're frightened of being on stage. We're frightened of driving a car fast. We're frightened when we go past a bush and it rustles. We're frightened of launching a book. We're frightened of starting a podcast. We're frightened. They were terrified of having a conversation. I was terrified of being them. Mm. You see, I was terrified of being a poor guy that couldn't afford many beers. And here was an opportunity for me to get smart. I was terrified of always riding around on a shitty motorcycle. I was just just appalled that I was always going to work on a rainy building site. That it just forced me to just run away to something better. Fear pushed me to take those chances. So I didn't have the imposter syndrome in the early stages because I was terrified of being my two clowns leaning up against the wall. Yeah. And even now, my life's pretty good. Don't ride shitty motorcycles now. I can afford more beers than I care. But I am terrified of being in the exact same place today 
as I will be in six months' time. So between now and then, I have to try new things. Mm -hmm. I have to have conversations with new people. I have to push myself. And that's what I like to do. I do like to respond to fear in, as I class it, the appropriate way. So I didn't have space for fear. Number two, excuses are a complete waste of everyone's time. One of the most interesting conversations I've ever had was in episode 126 with film composer Tyler Bates, who, in addition to scoring films that have grossed more than $6 billion at the box office, has been a musician for some of the world's leading musical acts. Clearly, a lot of people depend on him to deliver. But what happens when he hasn't delivered the work or the performances that he promised? That's where excuses can creep in. But Tyler's attitude toward accountability is something we can all learn a lot from. You know, excuses really don't change much. And it doesn't help the person you are even inclined to, to deliver an excuse to. So you really just have to understand where you're at and you have to figure out what is the most solution-oriented action I can take right now mm. because the the other just makes people more nervous makes them less confident that yeah. we're going to manifest the end result that we wish to that we're aspiring toward you know so my job is to bring that comfort as much as it is to create the music and to conduct a process that engages everybody number three expect that it's going to be a great day the most viral clips that we've had from the Win the Day podcast are with Dr. Daniel Amen, who has worked with everyone from top entertainers like Justin Bieber and Miley Cyrus to Olympic gold medalists and billion-dollar business leaders. During our conversation in episode 130, Dr. Amen shared the priming exercise he uses to win the day and also how it makes him more grateful automatically. Here's what he said. What are some things in particular that you feel like everyone can do so they can get up and win the day every day? Start the day with today is going to be a great day. It's just a great habit. That way you're directing your mind to what you like, what you want. I do that every day. When you go through your day, ask yourself, is this good for my brain or bad for it? I'm, you got it starts with love, right? All of this is about love. I do the right thing, not because I should. I do the right thing because I love myself. So self-love. The love you're talking about there is is self-love. Self-love. You must love yourself first before you can... And it's also doing the right things. Love of your family. It's love of your spouse. Love of your children. Love of your coworkers. When you do the wrong thing, it's stressful. Not only for you, but for a lot of, you know, for everybody who loves you. And then when I go to bed every night, and this is so powerful. I say a prayer and then I go, what went well today? And I start at the beginning of the day, like when I got up and I go hour by hour looking for what went well that day. And I have a lot of really cool things happen in my life. And I often don't focus on them because I'm busy. And this time at night is a treasure hunt and I love it so much. And I've been doing it for a decade. If people do it for just three weeks, it increases their level of happiness. Number four, get clear on your message and attract your tribe. I've worked with people from just about every industry you can think of, and the ones who struggle on the relationship side, as in struggle to expand their professional network while also retaining a small circle of incredible and influential friends, is because of their inner dialogue, as in they haven't taken the time to understand exactly who they are and what gifts they can offer the world. 
In episode 136, former PR powerhouse Tori Archbold joined us on the show to talk about how she renewed her purpose in her 40s and embarked on a completely new career after cutting the deadweight relationships from her life. That meant she had to attract a new tribe fast. Here's how she did it. And I can normally tell within a hot minute whether or not I want to give my energy to someone. And if I don't, I just quickly wrap it up. Yeah. And you can always tell when someone comes in and it's about me, 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 which means that they're ego-led, whereas I attract heart-led. And I feel that, you know, we have a digital footprint that's so powerful. Like anyone can Google your name or my name today. And what Captain Google says about you really should be anchored to your truth, your intent, your purpose, but most importantly, your integrity. What's your message? So I tend to now attract those high vibrational people because I'm so clear about who I am. Whereas, you know, years ago with Torsta, I had that success and survival story, which I know we're going to, you know, delve into. I wasn't necessarily attracting the high vibrational people. Like, yes, they were from the outside, but on the inside, they were rotten. And I had to work out a way to navigate and get myself through that phase so that I could only attract the good ones. You can tell so far away, can't you? Like one of, one of my biggest lessons of the last, say, 10 years is to trust your instinct when it comes to people. Mm. I feel like within 30 seconds, you can tell whether yeah. someone is is aligned with you in terms of values. It's so quick. Yeah. I'm amazed how many people there are 40, 50 years of age who haven't even figured out the concept that the most interesting thing to most people is themselves. So rather than talking mm. about yourself, like Dale Carnegie talks about, the best way to get someone interested in you is to be interested in them. A hundred percent. And that's why I think you should always lead with how can I help you? Share your story. What are your energy blocks? And then you can actually say, well, actually, I feel like I can help you this way. Now, if that person is a really good energy match, they're going to turn around and go, well, I think I can help you that way. And so that's the power of, you know, attracting the right energy fields and also having that magnetic presence when you walk into a room. You know, we've spoken about coffee dates, but also when you're doing a deal or when you're walking into a room of unknown people, you can either walk in and like, I'm all like closed up or you can walk in just because you're so happy with who you are from the inside out that you attract all those good energy fields and you attract the right people, which means that you're in flow with your life, which means that you're not attracting people that aren't meant for you. You're attracting people that are meant for your journey so that you can pay it forward. Number five, come from your champion's mind, not your human mind. I've never met anyone more committed to winning than Dr. Jeff Spencer. He's worked with you too, Tiger Woods, Maria Sharapova, Richard Branson, more than 40 Olympic gold medalists and hundreds more elite performers. Yet the most fascinating thing about Jeff is how humble he is. He's one of the kindest people I've ever met and would do anything to help someone who needed it. Here is what he had to say about the mindset that it takes to win. What about calming your mind the night before, you know, so you can sleep properly the night before uh, going out to the Olympics or, or whatever event that people have got to do that's, that's extremely important to them? No, well, you just have to learn to come from your champion's mind, not from your human mindset. You know, your human mindset is fear-based. You know, it's like, well, what are I saying to lose here? So all you do is sit and you, you worry about all the things that could go wrong. Well, the Olympians don't do that. You know, you look at the one or two things that have to go right. And you know, when you step onto the field, you execute those one or two things and that's how you win. So it requires a lot of mental discipline, but it's not a rigid mindset. Like I'm going to go out and mow everybody down to show everybody how tough I am. It isn't like that. It's like we know human nature. We know human nature is susceptible and it's entirely predictable. And we know that if we do not control our human nature, we have to supersede it with our supernatural nature to do what has to go right to to be able to prevail. 
And that's probably the most important take home because if we're gonna live a life of distinction and a life of quality, aspiration, value, and contribution, it's exactly the same lessons. We have to learn restraint, the most important word in the prolific achievers vocabulary. We have to be in stand in receivership. We know how, need to know how to commit. We need to know how to say no. We know, need to know how to abstain. We need to know how to step up and deliver on the goods when it really counts. So by restraint there, you're talking about delaying instant gratification and the enjoyment of a reward that will get a much greater reward down the track? Well, I, I would say that it's more resisting our human nature tendency to talk ourselves into things that aren't real. I mean, so for example, human nature is given an opportunity. It's, well, what do I stand to lose here? Champions don't think like that. You know, it's what do I stand to gain here? Given an opportunity, the uh, human mindset, because it's fear-based, it's survival-based, it's not about excellence. It doesn't care about your Olympic gold medals. Well, it cares about survival. You, you can't get the excellence if you're reacting at a life based on survival. It, you just can't get there from that. So we need to recognize that there is a biology there that holds us back. And that's not the us. We think it's us because it happens through us, but it's actually a survival biology. And if we don't get that, we don't know how to transcend it, then you can't get to the winner's circle. It's not possible. Number six, add discomfort to your daily routine. One of the most valuable episodes ever was with my good friend, Navy SEAL Commander, Rich Davini. In addition to being a long-serving member of the renowned Naval Special Warfare Development Group, known more commonly as SEAL Team 6, Rich was tasked with creating a process that would determine what SEALs would make it through from regular teams into the more specialized and elite SEAL Team 6. Clips from this episode have gone viral all over TikTok and YouTube. If you want to know why, go and check out the full version of episode 124. In the meantime, here's why Rich believes everyone should add discomfort to their daily routine. Uh, and I think that's absolutely essential for people to uh, begin to grow. You have to step out of our comfort zone. Listen, growth is uncomfortable. You can't grow without being comfortable. It's a, it's a, it's a prerequisite. And so anything that allows you discomfort is going to help you grow, regardless of what it is. And so I would always encourage someone to look at those things that make you uncomfortable and practice that. In fact, it's funny you should say that. I was just talking to a a young a young man who's a who's in college right now. He's an ROTC and Navy ROTC, and he wants to be a SEAL. He's an aspiring SEAL, and he asked me, "Hey, what can I do to prepare?" And and it's a, it's an interesting question because, you know, in 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 SEAL training and buds, you're going to get really cold. You're going to have to run with logs and everything. Cold is usually the worst. Cold is what gets most people, and so a lot of aspiring buds candidates uh, and maybe even folks who think they you know who are who are past their prime and they wish they could have been seals they wonder if they could do it um, will expose themselves to cold uh, over and over again to see well if I'm, maybe i can get used to the cold you'll never get used to the cold and one of my buddies says it's like getting it's like practicing getting kicked in the ball so you're, you're, gonna, get, you're gonna get kicked in the balls anyway <laughs> you might as well not practice it right but what i did tell him was hey practice doing things that are uncomfortable and that it could be anything it could be that girl you've wanted to talk to and you've been nervous go up and talk to her right that's enough you're, you're stepping into uncomfort mm -hmm. to discomfort you're stepping into um uh to challenge and i, I think those are anytime you can pick something to do, you're going to exercise that muscle. But then there's one more factor. And the, the, the other factor is uncertainty because, because there are certain disciplines of discomfort that aren't uncertain. And I would place a lot of physical disciplines in this category. I mean, you know, going to the gym, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be challenging, but there's something certain about that, right? The more environments of uncertainty you can find yourself in and navigating through, that's some real training as well, because navigating through uncertainty 
is a whole nother level of being able to step into challenge stress mm -hmm. and fear because that's when the fear comes some the stress comes in so not very scary going to the gym depending i certainly say there if you're just starting it could be right but if there's fear involved you've added a whole nother level to that to that challenge and i think that's very very healthy number seven keep showing up we hear so much about the importance of consistency over the long run, but there should be more emphasis on how we turn up when the first signs of adversity come our way. In episode 128, food blogging sensation Tony Okamoto shared an important message about the seeds you plant each day rather than the harvest you reap. In this excerpt, she's, talk, she's talking specifically about social media growth, but see if you can spot the parallels to every important pursuit we embark on and how the universe can help us, often in mysterious ways, when we start to achieve some momentum. Consistency is key. Sometimes it can feel like the algorithm is against you. You can feel like, oh, I've nailed it, and then the next day it changes and you have no impressions on your content that you worked so hard to create. And you just need to remember to show up the next day to continue creating content, even if it feels like no one is watching or looking at it or engaging with it. You never really know. It can go viral in two months or in three months and bring in a whole new part of your community that you didn't realize or ever could have imagined. Number eight, if you want change, you have to face where you're at. You know what we have way too much of in this world? The ignorance is bliss mentality. In episode 140, social entrepreneur and New York Times bestselling author Darren Orlean came on the show. I've known Darren for a long time and he's a man with a big heart who practices what he preaches. All he wants to do is raise awareness that there's a better way to live for all of us, especially with the hundreds of toxic chemicals we're faced with each day, but only when we accept that change needs to occur. If you want change, you have to face it. And if you're not willing to face it, you don't get to change. You don't have another choice. And that's as good as it gets. Parabens, which show up in most of the personal care and beauty products and phthalates as well and PFOS. The reason I say all that stuff is that of those hundreds of chemicals that you and I potentially, if we don't have the awareness, are getting exposed to, the parabens and the phthalates have half-lives of a few hours. So the body has to deal with them. They are causing endocrine disruption. They are causing some problems, but the body rids them. Not even getting into compromised bodies already. Maybe there's something going on with the liver. Maybe there's something going on already with the kidney. Maybe there's something going on already with the gallbladder. That aside, if you're being exposed to these things, but then you're always being exposed to them. So, okay, I get exposed, I put my lotion on, but then two hours later, I'm touching up all my makeup or I'm putting on clothes that I just washed that have formaldehydes and fragrances and a hundred other chemicals. So you're constantly sort of phthalate, 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 paraben, paraben, phthalate, PFOS, it's the constant, and then it's the every day. And then you're also talking about your second skin of your home. Where are those exposures? Ultimately, as someone who cares about all sentient beings on this planet, the planet herself, I care about you, I care about your producers, I care about everyone listening, I care as a human family. I would rather not have people suffer on my watch, right? So I wanna give them an option. Again, if you're cool with as good as it gets, that's fine. I'm not here to convince you. I'm not here to convince anybody. I'm here to supply knowledge because I saw my mentor, my father, my first teacher suffer, right? So it's in me. 
it's in me. So that's why I'm doing it. People can do whatever the hell they want with this information. They can burn this book. It's not, it's not on me to do it. Even if you open it, you know, every week and just go, okay, I'm going to work on this one. Mm. Maybe just continue to kind of change your patterns. Number nine, bring your children into your life, but be careful about how you communicate work. As a reluctant girl dad myself, I found it was an interesting journey to begin, but quickly became the greatest joy of my life. My wife and I now have two children and we're becoming more attuned to the words we use and how that shapes the belief patterns in our children's minds. In episode 132, author of Girl Dad, Madeline Anderson, shared an interesting view on how most people describe work to their children. Here's what she had to say. What it comes down to is how parents can communicate work with their children, especially at a young age, because you have to think back to when you're a kid and maybe, you know, maybe that's tough, but, um, Basically, there's this thing called work, right? And you don't really, when you're a kid, you don't really know what that is. That's just this concept that your parents have to do. So they have this work that they have to do. And if the parents are constantly talking about how stressed they are, how much they hate their job, how much they hate their boss, but their actions are showing they're prioritizing work over their kid, then the kid's looking up and they're saying, okay, there's this thing called work. My dad or my mom doesn't like it, yet here's where it's at on the priority list and here's where I am like what's up with that right whereas if you even if you hate your job first maybe look at other jobs because life's too short but second if you hate your job just be really careful about the way you're talking about your job and when you're around your child your daughter just make sure you're highlighting the positives if you can and also you're including her in conversations so that she even knows what you're doing I think that was one thing that my dad did really well he would you know sit me on his lap show me the projects he was working on and he would even bring me to work on the weekends if he had to work on the weekends which he did sometimes he was always working and he would let us draw on the blueprints because he's an engineer and like we felt really involved in his work even though you know that uh we weren't right but it created that relationship where we had open communication i didn't feel like he was prioritizing work over me unfairly i i admired how he liked his job and it actually motivated me to find something that i like just as much rather than discouraging your kid because there's this thing called work that they hate right why would your kid want to go find a good job if uh, that's what she's looking up to right last but not least number 10 share the cost of not taking action Episode 138 was definitely one of my favorite interviews, not just because I was joined by fellow Aussie Simon Mannering, but because of the incredible things he shared. Simon is a New York Times bestselling author and works with some of the top companies in the world. But to get those companies as clients, he had to have a process for a bulletproof pitch. If you're a business owner or in professional services, this might be one of the most valuable things you've ever heard about how to significantly increase your chances of getting a yes when you're sitting across from a prospective client. You often have to win over a new customer or client who is hesitant or unsure if they want to make the investment in whatever you're offering. And there's three things that you should do. The first thing is you should look at the data in and around what you're doing. So in our case, if you really want to help companies understand what their purpose is or bring their ESG or sustainability commitments to life or really have some impact work out there, what does the data tell them in terms of attracting the talent you want, fostering a strong culture, you know, inspiring conscious consumers to buy the market, buy your product, differentiating your reputation in the marketplace, research. The second thing is look at the competitive landscape. So say, you know, whoever you're talking to, say, listen, just as context, here's what your competitors are doing in this area. 
And that triggers their competitive instinct. They go, well, wait a second, if our company competitor X is doing it, either they're idiots or there might be something here. And then the third thing, and this is the most important, is to do a cost-benefit analysis where you say, if you're going to do this, if you're going to buy our product, if you're going to work with us, if you're going to be a partner, what is the cost of doing that? But also, what's the cost of not doing that? And do a cost-benefit analysis of the cost of not doing it, which might be you're not relevant to the marketplace. A competitor takes a greater market share. And as soon as you sort of triangulate the research that supports what you're doing, competitors pointing in that direction and a cost-benefit analysis of actually doing it but also not doing it, invariably I've found a client will be or prospective client will be like, let's talk a little bit more about that or, you know, I'd like to understand more. And very quickly you can unlock them. And because you have to talk to people in terms of what they're willing to listen to and what potential buyers are willing to listen to today is cost consciousness or if you're a B2B company, how are you going to be, you know, how are you going to deliver productivity and performance for my business? You've got to start with what they're going to listen to. And so show them the research, showing them competitors, show them a cost benefit analysis, and then upgrade them from there. That's all for this episode. Remember to click the link in the show notes if you want to meet me in person at the event I'm speaking at in Brisbane, Australia very soon. I hope these lessons have been valuable and get excited for some big guests appearing in the second half of this year. Finally, to help more people activate their winning life, here are three ways you can help right now. Number one, hit the subscribe button wherever you're watching or listening to this podcast. Number two, leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And number three, share your favorite episode with someone who needs to hear it. I can't thank you enough for your support. It's what motivates me to keep stepping it up. And there are a lot of people out there who need our help. Remember to get out there and win the day. Until next time, onwards and upwards, always. Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Win The Day podcast. We want to hear your thoughts on what we covered today. So drop a comment on the YouTube version of this episode with your favorite takeaway, any questions you have, or what actions you'll be taking as a result of what was shared in this episode. And if you found value in the Win The Day podcast, leave a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You'll find a link to both of those in the show notes. It'll only take you a few seconds and more ratings really helps other people discover the show so they can get the mindset upgrade they need and we can bring more winners into the Win The Day movement. That's all for this episode. Get out there and win the day. Until next time, onwards and upwards, always.